Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube. We're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back to our wonderful little show here. And you know what? It's October and you know what that means. It means it's my Pumpkins. birthday month. No, I'm just kidding. It's a <laughs> is it, it your it, birthday month? It is my birthday month. Oh but shit! Yeah, it was it passed us already, but that's fine. Uh, but what it's the actually, fuck? Yeah. Happy birthday! Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. But it is spooky month, which is October is my favorite month. Not because of my birthday. I don't celebrate it that much. But it's mainly because of spooky month, which always means that we like to reminisce and take a look at some of the crazy horror games that come out. Last year, we did a top 10 list of some of the greatest horror movies that grabbed our attention, um, kind of mainly focusing more on the unknown horror games. But this month, we're going to do a little something different, right? Uh, we mm -hmm. are going going to be diving into some more of the history of horror games um, and kind of talk a little bit, just give a deeper understanding as to some of the different concepts behind horror games, because there are a couple different ways in which video games portray horror. We have our typical action horror games where you, you know, run and gun down the zombies and they are frightening in their own right. But for me, I always feel like you always have that sense of control. Which you do, right? You can completely fight yeah. back and kill everything in front of you. So, of course, you have the control there. But there are other types of horror games, and these are the ones that scare the shit out of me. And I both love them and hate them at the same exact time. And those are the atmospheric horror games. Now, atmospheric horror games, uh, that might sound like a big brain term for some people, but really it just means that you are dealing with the environment around you. The environment is your main, I guess, antagonist in a way, right? Uh, it's what is generating the scares. It's generating the feels from the music, the vibe, the lighting, everything, and the loss of control. So a lot of these games, they actually take the control out of the player and now you're just reacting. And when we don't have control, we instantly go into fight or flight mode. And that is a much more terrifying situation for everyone to be in. And there are some really great examples of atmospheric horror throughout the ages. And this genre or this type of horror game has definitely evolved over the over the years. We have had some great stuff come out recently and there's some really amazing things that I remember from my past. Um, one big one that I always go back to was the first time I played Dead Space and learned that they actually got film producers and sound engineers to come in and make that make that game to enhance the overall feeling of you walking around the just the stage and just really add that creep factor, you know? And it, that always hit me and that maybe like that kind of sparked my first interest and love with atmospheric horror games. But I'm too much of a baby <laughs> to play them for too long because they're intense. They're a lot like I mean, we're going to be talking about a game that came out quite a few years ago, but I would say is it, like the epitome, like the penultimate at this point, at least for um, atmospheric horror games that I've personally played. Um, and it still holds that candle in my mind. And it is actually a movie franchise that I absolutely love. But while I was playing this game, my heart rate, I have a heart rate monitor, was around the 120 range the entire time and nothing was happening. <laughs> and that just kind of really speaks to how powerful atmospheric horror games actually are. So before we jump into that game, I 
we really want to give you a little bit more of a history behind atmospheric horrors and just horrors in general. So what I'm going to pass it on to Chris, where he's going to take it away right now. What's your what's your take on atmospheric horror, horror in general? What's your, you know, your background on it? I mean, I've always loved the genre a lot just because I love horror movies as well. I do agree with you that, you know, for the longest time I would play these games and I would just get too freaked out mm. to ever really finish them. Like for me, my first horror game was Silent Hill. And that game was just, you know, atmospheric, psychologically like crazy. And it was unlike anything I ever played. I didn't get too far in it just because it was <laughs> difficult at the time too because the early horror game controls were always so like uh tank controls you know tank but controls are the worst i think that is the most terrifying <laughs> aspect of some of these older horror games is the tank controls but i mean also they were there for a reason and you know i'll get into that in a minute but i kind of want to touch in you know how the genre really started mm. and i didn't realize it went so far back uh, there was a game in 1981 called Space Freighter Nostromo. And it's interesting because um, it was Japanese only because it came out on the Commodore Pet, which is, you know, boomer uh, old PCs. But <laughs> yeah. it was modeled after Alien. And on the screen, you have your little dot. I mean, imagine Atari graphics. Maybe. And there's like these little rooms, right? And there's this at symbol and that's the alien. And basically you have to run into these rooms and hide from this alien while trying to get out of this screen. And I mean, the AI it's sporadic, you know, it's not like it's following you like in games we have nowadays, but back then, you know, it's frightening seeing this little thing just jump around the screen trying to chase you. And I think after that, you, the next really big jump into the horror was Haunted Mansion mm. for the Atari. Basically, you're this little pair of eyeballs, right? And you have matches and you have to go through this mansion to collect urn pieces. And all while you're doing that, there's bats, there's ghosts, there's spiders. And as you progress in the game the walls of the map actually disappears. And the only way you can actually see the walls is if you light a match. The problem is if you light a match, monsters will come towards you and you can't really see them unless they're highlighted by the match. So it added that kind of first spooky being, you know, atmospheric sense, you know, as much as you can in the Antari age. And I was, you know, I sat back and thought, man, like, Imagine having this game in a dark room on your CRTV oh God. where the screen is constantly flickering and it's just pure darkness when you use the match in those later stages. And it's really cool to think about because I'm like, wow, like they thought of this back in the Atari age. Like I'm I didn't grow up with an Atari. So when I look back at it, I'm like, man, it's such a simple console. But there were some titles on it that just really set the stage for future games. Mm -hmm. uh, I think to me, the, the first horror games that really brought us what we have now, though, uh, I covered this game in last year's Halloween episode, and I want to talk about it again briefly because it's an amazing game. Uh, Sweet Home. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, came out on the Famicom or NES. There's translations for it. It's a horror RPG where you have five characters and you can actually split your characters up to explore different parts of this house. And the interesting thing is each character has a special item, which is used for certain puzzles. My problem with the game is the random encounter rate was kind of high. And then imagine having, you know, a party of two go into a room. They don't have the item for the puzzle. You're like, oh, crap, I need to switch. So you switch to the other party members. And it's like by the time you're you're going through, like I made it halfway through the game. And then I was just I can't do this. Like I'm getting slaughtered. You know, it's it's a beautiful game for the NES. And really, it was made by Capcom. And I feel like it actually inspired Resident Evil with being stuck in that kind of mansion. Mm. And it's actually been like said that that was the inspiration for Resident Evil. Mm, but, I can see it. Yeah. So that was kind of like the first, I guess you could say, horror game in a sense of like exploration. Uh, the one that, I mean, granted Alone in the Dark existed, but I think when you look back at Clock Tower... Uh, this came out on the Super Famicom. It was basically a Japanese-only release. Like it, it came into the PlayStation later, and it's one of those more like point-and-click kind of horror games. And you're this girl in an orphanage, and you realize that the people around you disappeared. They got murdered, and you basically get chased by this guy with a big pair of scissors. Looking at this game, I feel like this is the the true beginning of horror games where you get chased mm-hmm. around because he does chase you through the screens. And it's interesting because your character kind of has a slight sanity bar where if you're running too much or you see this enemy, your, your character portrait goes from like a calm face to like a red background. And the more this character gets freaked out, she'll trip when she runs she can't focus right. Like it was really, I feel innovative for the time. You know, you, I feel like you didn't really see that in a horror game yet. And I love a good sanity bar in a game. Like it just really adds that extra little flair to it. Oh yeah. Like at one point, like you could even uh, like potentially lose the ability to fully control your character. So then you, the player, are starting to feel that anxiety that your character would be feeling. It's a very clever thing to be putting into games. And to see it that early on implemented like that, it, it's very clever. I gotta love that. Yeah, and I, I wish it was a feature we'd see more often. You know, you look at like Eternal Darkness and how they did it, and I feel like that is like the perfect uh, sanity system that I've seen in a game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to see more of that because it really it adds to the atmosphere a lot. And I'm not saying a lot of these atmosphere games are boring without it, but it's just if it had like some kind of system like that, it would really like it might be too much. You know, it might Mm. be too scary. But jumping into the horror defining generation, you know, you look at the PlayStation, you got your Resident Evil. And you got Silent Hill. And I feel like with the difference, that's where we see the split. Even though Resident Evil up until, you know, 1, 2, and 3, it was more atmospheric. I still felt like it was kind of action-based. Because mm-hmm. you could still shoot. You had the ability to fight back, right? Yeah. 
And especially with three, when you have Nemesis chasing you, it's it added that old mechanic back. You look at Silent Hill, and it was kind of the the creation of the psychological horror, the atmospheric horror, because unlike Resident Evil that had rendered backgrounds with, you know, the the tank controls to add to that kind of fear of not seeing what's over on the next screen, you know, Silent Hill, it's more of like a open world kind of stage. You can actually run around and explore this like foggy town. And to me, I was always more of a Silent Hill fan than a Resident Evil fan. Just because I loved exploring this like scary town, like mm-hmm. something, and this is why I like atmospheric horror, is because I get lost in that. I love exploring in games, and when I have to be rushed and not enjoy like the hard work that was put into the scenery, it kind of bums me out because I yeah. wanna, I wanna feel like I'm there without like being scared that I'm being chased, you know. And and you want to show appreciation to the amount of work that was actually put into the game. Like, I always yeah. feel that same, that, that, like, tinge of pull where, like, I want to explore every corner of this because of how much work. Like, even if it's just a stack of crates, someone had to physically design that stack of crates, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you almost want to experience it. And you sometimes you even feel like you're missing out on items or maybe a bit of lore, which is super heavy in atmospheric games. Like, that's the core thing that keeps you pushing. And the only way to get story in a lot of these games is yep. to find, like, journal articles or, you know, sound bite recordings or things like that. So you, you want to venture around and explore and resident evil did this great or greatly right like and it was such a core part of it like you can go through that whole game without picking up any journals or whatever but you're not going to get the background story behind a lot Mm -hmm. of the actions that are happening which is fine for some players but for me like i really wanted to find all that crap but it also meant that i have a much higher chance of encountering a bunch of shit that's going to try and eat me (laughs) which is just terrifying (laughs) in its own right so yeah and it's it's cool because the psychological side of it, you know, it really added like the moral implications and especially with Silent Hill, you know, you look at the enemies and basically their creations of, you know, people's nightmares mm-hmm. or the things in their life that troubled them. It's like all all these monsters mimic problems in their life. Fuck those nurses. No. Yeah. And <laughs> and the dog okay. and uh it added this extra sense of fear and something different than just shooting zombies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this psychological horror really inspired atmospheric horror with games, you know, like Amnesia and Soma, like any of those frictional games, they all kind of have that like spooky atmosphere where it's less about action and more about digging for lore Mm -hmm. and learning about the area that you're in. But and as most people know, this really changed when Resident Evil 4 came out because that's when the action started. You yeah. know, I mean, 4 is innovative in almost every way. It's a great and, game, but it definitely does pivot heavily. Yeah, and I really wish I had beaten it. I've only gotten, I think I got about almost halfway through mm-hmm. when I was looking it up. And I feel like I'm I'm missing out because everyone thinks it's a masterpiece. But that was really when horror switched. You know, thanks to Resident Evil 4, we had games like Dead Space and Fear and a lot of modern horror games went that route. 
And it's interesting because it kind of ruined a lot of franchises. Like you saw Silent Hill, they added, they had like a bunch of these kind of like one-off series, like uh, Downpour, mm-hmm. and I know there was a handheld one that wasn't well received because it went more towards action. It lost that sense of fear. And then you look at Resident Evil, where I remember people not liking five, but six was really where people started hating it. Yeah. And it, it really took away that fear. But then five was not scary at all. That was not a horror game whatsoever. It was. Yeah, just it seems a, like an action game. It was just a pure like commando, like machismo, straight up action game, <laughs> but with zombies on top. Right. And yeah. It, it had it did feel kind of like racisty <laughs> at times too because i mean you're you're just a big ass fucking like you know predator style white man running around killing everyone in these villages without even asking the question of if they are zombies or not right like oh, you're just shit. going through africa just mowing down people and at one point you even go to like a, a like a indigenous tribe and they're all wearing like the masks and the traditional garbs and all that. And in my head, I was like, I don't know if I, these are actually zombies or not. Like oh, they could God. just be like, you know, like insanity plagued or something, you know, it's like something else could have happened and it doesn't ever feel like it fully clears that up. And then of course you have your famous fight scene in a fucking volcano with Wesker where it's like, okay, this is not a horror game anymore whatsoever. Like this is just a straight like final fantasy boss that I'm fighting because he yeah. has different stages, he morphs everything. Like it felt more of like uh, a full action game rather than paying homage to the classic horror games. And then six, apparently, I never played it because I just couldn't. After five, like yeah. apparently, it that it took that idea and even went further with it. So where Chris Redfield is now the action hero that we all want. It's like, no, I, I want a horror game, please. That's why I play Resident Evil. And it's, you know, seeing how horror kind of went on the downward spiral, it it really got saved by the indie scene, you know, in the, the mid 2000s, you got Outlast, you had Amnesia that really brought back that old sense of horror, like it they basically games. saved that genre. And then I think one of the biggest or one of the games that did the biggest impact, you know, I'm not looking at Five Nights at Freddy's and that like jump scare YouTube crap. Mm, no. But the game that I think really solidified horror as a genre that, you know, it, I mean, it's, it got big, like people talk about it, but it's not regarded as high as like, you know, the classic horror games when it should be is Alien Isolation. Yep. That game is great. Holy shit, is it good? And I know you have a lot to say about it. Oh, man. Yeah, I do. And before we do, I like to touch bases on a little bit of the things that you talked about here because you, you dropped a lot of information on everyone. Yeah, I kind of rambled. No, but it's great. Like, that was a lot of great information that I'm sure a lot of people don't understand. And I think that we really need to remember where it all came from. And looking back at those original games, those ASCII art, like horror games, there mm-hmm. was a sense of like, true i guess like dread right and like anxiety that came from looking at these various little like symbols on the screen and just the idea of like oh this at symbol is the big bad right and it's with the graphics that we have now it's hard to really you know i i guess 
understand the fact that that is a terrifying idea, but when you're <laughs> in it and when you're experiencing it, and I think it has to also do with like, if you experienced it at that time, that was the way that, you know, given the limitations of the systems, that was the way that we were able to create the maximum amount of anxiety for the players. And mm -hmm. each generation, we see how like the generation of systems evolve, the way that we can then generate anxiety within the players has then evolved as well. And then they also look at, you know, the overall marketing side of it, what games are selling right now. And I feel like Resident Evil fell into that trope. And that's why we started seeing more of the action oriented like Resident Evil games is because the big games out there were your first person shooters where, you know, like your Gears of War. That was a big one at that time. Like people wanted those style of games. So, it, you know, with voting with their wallets and stuff like that, like Capcom and all them reacted accordingly. So you can't really yeah. like blame them for that idea. It just felt like maybe that was the natural evolution of the horror genre. Um, like everyone wanted to be the action star. They wanted to be the hero of the story. And I feel like, like you said, the indie games really brought that back and saved us um, from continuing down that path of the more action oriented or like action only quote unquote horror games. They're not scary. That's a thing. But indie games really pushed that boundary of going back. Like they took a few steps back and remembered why was this scary, right? Like what, mm -hmm. what made horror games actually a thing? And I'm so happy that they did. And it shows that, you know, these AAA games are looking at these indie studios and seeing why are these things popular and emulating and then continuing that trend and bringing them back. Right. And I think that's such a great thing to do. And it shows incredibly in Alien Isolation, which is actually a Sega game, which is awesome. Like going going back to, the, you know, oh, like our, yeah. our failed systems and stuff like that. Like Sega actually put this game out and there's so much in it with like connection to movie lore and all that and just the amount of anxiety and dread that's built into this title such a fantastic way of portraying all that information but before we go into that i just want to take the time we're going to be taking a quick little break right here uh have a little word from our sponsor for the show and then when we come back we'll be going into alien isolation You find yourself staring down the mouth of a dark cave, hearing the low rumble of something large inside. This is it. Everything you have been fighting for lies just within this cave. <laughs> hey man, what's the matter? This is your big ending fight scene. Yeah, sorry about that. I've just been so tired today. Feels like I've been hit with like two points of exhaustion. Ugh. You know what? I have just this thing to get you back into the adventuring spirit. Really? Of course. I have a delicious roast from Geek Grind Coffee. Huh. That sounds pretty cool. What kind of brews do they have? They have blends like Dragon's Roast, Dwarven Dawn, Wizard's Mist, and so much more. They have even one celebrating Jim Hansen's The Labyrinth, The Goblin King's Elixir. Whoa, those sound awesome. I'm waking up just hearing about them. Is there an easy way for me to pick up some? I got you. For the fans of our show, if you visit geekgrindcoffee.com right now and enter the promo code GLITCH at the checkout, you will get 20% off your order. Whoa, that's great. So you're saying if I go to geekgrindcoffee.com, 
right now and enter the promo code glitch at checkout, I'll get 20% off my order. That's amazing. That's right, yo. <laughs> All right, I'm ready for this adventure. Bring it on. Hey, that's a natural 20. Just like the discount you can get when entering the promo code glitch at geekgrindcoffee.com. Level up your morning with Geek Grind Coffee. All right, we're back. And I actually totally remembered a game that I feel like it it's not really known. It was it was a game created on the dark web. And the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was only released there for the longest time. And it was called Sad Satan. And it got big because a YouTuber found it and he played it. And basically it's just, you know, this lo-fi black and white game for the most part. And you're just going through endless hallways. And it's actually really scary. Like just watching someone play it, I was like, oh my God, the way they play with the audio tunes and the visuals, it's like, it's a trip. I've never uh, heard of this game, but I love yeah, lo-fi. So. It's I if you want something kind of scary to watch, I definitely recommend watching a playthrough of it. Like it's it's cool. It, it's really different. And it's like, why was this game only on the dark web? Like it just adds to that. Oh, my God. These mysterious are nature. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's frightening. Like it, it's cool. Yikes. Yeah. If you guys want some nightmare fuel, just look up some Google images of sad Satan. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it is, holy crap. This game looks terrifying. Wow. But that's, see, that's amazing to me because that, that, that really harkens back to the idea of like the more indie, like the people who don't have a whole marketing team breathing down their neck saying that we need to sell X amount of copies of a game. They're allowed to push the boundaries of the genre and really, really mess with things and just do what they need to do and do what they want to do to create their art. And it makes some really interesting stuff. And then once that's successful, then the AAA guys are like, oh, yeah, this could work. Let's just add it back into the games. Let's make games scary again, right? Like, so it is very interesting to see that stuff. Oh, man, that game looks terrifying. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. All right. So here we go. We're going to be going into the big game this week, that our big atmospheric horror game. And that's going to be Alien Isolation. And I am a huge fan of the Alien franchise. I absolutely love this this title. I it's such a great movie and I have such great memories watching it. And even my fiance who loves horror movies, like that's one of her favorite ones because you have, this is a great time in cinema history where you have like the amazing female protagonist, right? Like the mm -hmm. real true badass. Like come on, Sigourney Weaver in this movie does such a great job of just being a like super smart, like really like just well-rounded she's got a level head the entire movie and just ends up becoming a, of a complete badass and she saves the cat like come on man like mm. <laughs> everything about this movie is just great and the way like even the like the later movies the alien movies like alien 3 alien 4 those ones like they're not great but they are still really entertaining and they they kind of kept the same idea of the formula they did change a little bit with the times like we see with some of the horror games as well alien versus predator uh that mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the what's it called the the fan fiction of the series like yeah. the, <laughs> someone posted that on their live journal one time and someone picked it up and ended up making a movie out of it 
But uh, I do have, okay, before we go in, I gotta go on my little spiel about this Alien vs. Predator movie. Like, come on, okay, the, spoiler alert, the main premise of this movie is that the Predators have created the aliens to use them as hunting, like, training, training dummies, basically, to learn how to better hunt humans. How That's do, badass, bro. But how does that make any sense? Aliens are so much more terrifying and so much stronger than humans. That's not a training dummy. Like, the humans are the training dummies to learn how to hunt aliens better. Like, there's no, like, out of... I mean, how do they tame the aliens, you know? Exactly. There's, there's all kinds of dumb problems with that. They end up giving the main character literally an alien head shield because it's bulletproof. <laughs> and they use the tail as, like, a spear or a sword shit or whatever the hell. Bad. Bad movies. Not great. <laughs> but entertaining. So there's that, you know, if you want some, enter- like we always say, there's some movies that are just so bad they're good. This is one that's just entertaining to turn your brain off. But anyway, let's go back to the, the main franchise of Alien itself. These games, or these movies themselves, are so atmospheric in the way that they present the information to you. When it comes to, like, the the going down these tight, tight corridors using the smoke in a very interesting way to make everything even feel smaller. Like, you feel alone at times, and they do such a clever job with it. The whole crawling through, like, the the grates and stuff like that, the vents, and then the moments where you see the drool just dripping from the vents. That's when it really gets me. It's like, fuck, you know something's there. Yep. And they do such a great job of using shadows and whatnot, and that's actually a great thing uh, for the earlier title, Dead Space, that we mentioned, and we talked about this on the last horror one, but they actually used, they, they took homage from Alien and used shadows in a very interesting way, where your player, as you're walking around, there will be shadows that like move across the screen, but there's nothing there. It's just to add to the extra anxiety while you're playing. So, Alien Isolation takes that and runs with it. And it is just a full atmospheric, horrifying experience from start to finish. And I absolutely love the inclusion of the lore of the original movies. This game actually takes place after Alien 1. And it fits like really well in between Alien 1 and 2 because one of the big questions is, what does Ripley's daughter do? Ripley does have a daughter in the first movie, and you don't really see her. She's a young girl. Um, but Ripley ends up going missing, right? As quote-unquote from the company, they say that Ripley just goes missing while on this experiment or on this um, on this uh, expedition. And so this movie actually picks up with Ripley's daughter 15 years after the first movie. And you end up hearing a distress call from in the, uh, the colony that's in the area where Ripley, or, you know, her mother went missing. And you go out on that expedition to find out what happened to this colony. So instead of just exploring an abandoned base, you're actually exploring a full colony that has been lived in. And there's multiple people who live there or might still be living there. You don't know. And you're trying to figure out what's going on and what happened. And I love the way that this movie or that movie, it feels like a movie when you're playing it. When this game starts uh, where you are going into the space station, right, the colony, and you instantly get separated from your group. And, you know, that's where the whole idea of isolation comes in. And right away, you feel like that intense, like, holy crap, I'm alone right from the get go because they don their their spacesuits and they start doing a spacewalk and 
I love when games do this. I think it's such a fantastic idea because, you know, when movies do it as well, you really feel the like the aloneness of the scene where as soon as they put on their spacesuits, really the only thing you can hear is like muffled noises and their own breath. And that's it. Right. And it just adds to that super intense anxiety over like she's looking around and you can see the other people with you. But really, all you hear is your comms and your breath. And that's really all you got, which is makes it that much more like you're with people, but you feel alone. So it's very interesting the way that they play that up and you instantly get separated. And now you're trying to get to a spot where you can actually, you know, talk to your ship to let them know that you're alive and figure out what to do next. And you start seeing some really interesting stuff around the colony. Um, Things have been vandalized. A lot of stuff is actually locked up. A lot of the doors are boarded. Um, There's no one there. The lights are out. Like things are turning on and off randomly and you just are constantly berated with the music. The music is just such high intensity music and you're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Eventually, you do run into some survivors, and everyone, it's like post-apocalyptic situation there. Everyone is out to get one another. It's like, either I'm going to survive or I'm going to die, so you need to get the hell out of my way, right? Like, there's a lot of that going on. So what's great about this game is that, yes, the alien is the big bad. He's like, that is the main thing that you need to be worrying about, but you don't know about the alien. No one, the company has not been, you know, they don't, they didn't do any research or didn't look into it or didn't disclose any of that information about the alien's existence to anybody. So you walk in there blind, completely blind. And the only thing that you think is the threat are the people there themselves. So now you're battling these people. And then out of nowhere, one of the people that you're running around with gets stabbed through the heart and pulled through a vent, but they don't show the alien. They just show the tail. And now you're trying to like, what the fuck is that? You're trying to figure out what's going on there. And (laughs) while trying to deal with these marauders and the pillagers and trying to survive that way. And it just, the layers and layers of anxiety that they put on you is just fantastic. And I think like the alienization does a, a very interesting thing of, It's a common trope in games that I both love and hate at the same time. Like I mentioned, I want to explore this, the scenario, the, the, the area because I want to, you know, pay homage to the people who put in that much work, but also the completionist in me wants to find everything that I can. I want to find all the bits of lore. I want to learn the story. So Alien Isolation actually puts on another layer of this where the items that you make, your med kits and stuff like that, you have to craft them. And so you have to be looking around for scraps, for bonding agents and whatnot, and in order to even make any of this stuff. And you even have to look for blueprints as to how to make these these things. So you can go a whole game with actually missing some of the blueprints and just be kind of screwed. <laughs> so it it does really make you want to explore more. But what I found while playing it is like, I don't want to explore <laughs> Like, I'm so terrified to open that door because someone like there's a, you know, like there could be like a audio log that says, oh, we had to lock the thing in. But it doesn't say what it is like that. We like we can't let it get out. We, you know, put these jacks on the doors to make sure the bad doesn't get out. And at that point, you're just kind of dealing with the the citizens that live on this colony. So 
not knowing what I know about the Alien franchise, like you could definitely feel that the player is just thinking it's just these people kind of going nuts. Like you don't know what's there, which is just adds to that great dread. And I think my anxiety and my anticipation of seeing the alien just really made me more and more excited to continue and play through this title. And ah, God, I, I love it. And for all you guys who have Xbox Game Pass or you don't, I really recommend it, even if you don't have an Xbox, because they now have the streaming service where you can stream it on your computer, on your iPhone and what iPad, whatever you want. And there's actually a lot of games that are touch controls. Unfortunately, Alien Isolation is not one of those. But with Xbox Game Pass, you can play this game for free right now. And I don't know why not everyone is playing it. It's Halloween. It's spooky month. This is a perfect time for it. Um, but yeah, this this game is intense and the AI is fantastic. Like you can really feel the evolution of the like the horror genre here. Just so well done, so well executed. I just yeah. Oh man. I can keep rambling about this game for hours. But what what's your initial reaction of the Alien Isolation game? Um I know you didn't have a lot of time to play with it, but I know that you've looked into it a little bit. So like what's what's your viewpoint on it right now? I mean, I think the atmosphere is amazing in it. You know, I was actually when I was doing something else, I just had like a like the ambient sound oh, background gosh, yeah. going. And I was like, wow, like the music, the sounds, like even the sounds of the computer humming, like it sounds like old school computers. I was like, this is crazy. Like yeah. the sound in that game is so good. Like it's it's done really well. And a thing that really stood out to me was the AI of the alien itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at past games where there's, you know, a predator searching for your character. You know, you look at like Nemesis or Mr. X in other games. And it's like, yeah, they follow the same kind of path. Mm-hmm. They, if you run in front of them or you run around near them, they'll they'll chase you for a while and that's it. But you feel like you can get away, right? Yeah. Yeah. In this game, it's like you feel like you can't get away. You know, if you even get caught, like you're screwed. Yeah. And the fear of like, you know, hiding in a locker, watching it in the room, you know, sniff around looking for you. It's like, oh, God, like, what if it really could hear me? You know, like, what if I move by accident? It's. It's a layer of fear in a horror game that I haven't really seen done that well i mean the closest i've seen a horror game do the whole sound system well was maybe like amnesia and soma where they kind of have it where if you bump into something it makes a noise and then Mm -hmm. whatever's around you will hear it but even there like monsters are still on a track you know it's not like this alien that just roams around the whole damn place well there's two things that are actually really funny about that you bringing up the whole idea of the sound and the moving around so this game was originally developed for VR, which I can't even imagine playing this game in VR. Like, no, no way, dude. Like, it's already so intense as is, but they have options for head tracking. So, like, the 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 leaning is amazing in this game. It's probably the best, like, crouch cover lean I've ever seen in a game. Um, but there's also another feature in there, too, where you if <laughs> this is a fucked up feature, and I can't believe they put it in there. But if you, the player, make noise while playing this game, it makes noise in the game. So you have to be quiet while playing this thing. And like you just get all bottled up. So if like you scream, guess what? The alien hears you. 
and the AI behind it, it's not on a track. It's actually roaming. It's actively roaming and reacting to every bit of noise that's going on, whether it be doors opening, other like like pillagers walking around, you trying to hide the computer terminals. Like it's listening to everything that's going on around it. And like having that extra layer of like you, human you, <laughs> making noise could trigger the alien just sounds so terrifying to me. And I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> God, it's such an intense, intense experience. But like, yeah, it that I absolutely love. I think it's such a, a very clever way of doing it. And I mean, this movie came out, or this, I keep saying movie just because it feels like it's part of the genre. It's part of the series. But this game came out like what seven years ago now? Is that right? Yeah, seven. Yeah, pretty much seven years. So it, trust me, this game holds up. It still does after seven years. And usually, games that are want to look a little bit more realistic after seven years, they look pretty bad and they start showing their age. And I'm not going to say that this game is perfect graphically. Like there are some issues with the character models, but it looks fantastic for how old it is and for it being originally uh, a VR game like that is an amazing accomplishment to me uh, that they were able to put this much into it and it really speaks to how powerful Sega is in making games they can make very very strong games and when they aren't you know messing around with the console wars and just focusing on what they're good at th it shows and this oh, is yeah. this is a timeless piece like this is definitely one that i think everybody should at least experience like it's gonna be a hard one to get through but everyone should at least experience this game whether it's you watching some playthrough of it because there's a mode there's a messed up mode in here it's called nightmare mode okay <laughs> So you can you can change two settings in this game. You can change the difficulty. So you can put on nightmare mode, which means that your tracker, which you have a little like uh, it kind of looks like the Ghostbusters thing, but it's basically like a handheld radar that tells you where the alien is at all times. And the tracker will start malfunctioning on a constant basis. So that already is just terrifying in nightmare mode. <laughs> but then you can also turn the AI of the alien. You can change it to be um, a little bit more predictable for people who might be a little, it might be too difficult for them to get through the game. Or you can put it basically on chaotic where the alien oh will start sprinting out of nowhere. So like usually you'll see it kind of patrolling and then when it hears a noise or something like a light source, it'll then sprint towards that, you know, that area. But with night, with this whole chaotic AI, It'll actually just start running. It'll sprint down hallways. It'll just like come in and out of rooms like randomly. Like there's no way of you predicting what this thing is going to do. And you have to try and survive. And that's like a very super realistic, you know, situation to go into. But it's so clever. And I, I want to try it, but I'm terrified <laughs> to try it because it just sounds so intense. But that would be one of those where I definitely... I, I feel like maybe in the future, this might be a good one for us to make a video of and maybe stream. Um, one of the great little uh, tools that we have is the Whoop wristband, which actually we have a wonderful affiliate program with them as well. So if you guys are interested in the Whoop, uh, we can get you one month free for those guys. And it's a really awesome activity tracker. But one of the cool things that it does is it gives you the ability to live stream your heart rate and your respiratory rate <laughs> while playing 
oh, while God. doing anything. So can you imagine playing a game like this while live streaming our respiratory rates and the heart rates and all that fun stuff? Like that would just be really intense. So that might become something that we do in the near future. And that could be really fun to play around with, especially during spooky month. Got to. But yeah, oh, gosh, this game. It's a lot. It's a I lot. want more like VR horror games. You know, I, I know there's a few out there, but it's like, I feel like the only ones that really have done it well are Alien Isolation and Resident Evil 7. 7 was fucking frightening yeah. in VR. Like, I played a little bit of it, and I was like, I can't. I I just need to play the game normally. Yeah. Like, it's enough already normally. Can you imagine playing it in VR? But I, I heard from, I remember hearing about Isolation when it was first coming out that the game was too terrifying whenever it was in first in development because of things like the head tracking and the way that the alien got you. There were certain death scenes or death situations where like maybe the alien will get you from behind and it will stab through your chest, which is like a classic alien move, right, from the movies. If you've seen any of the movies and you've seen that death scene, which is great. But with the head tracking in the VR set, if you look down, you're seeing your torso, your body with the alien things like the tail stuck through you. And then you just get yanked off into like the vents and shit like that. And that's like your death scene. And the fact that you're able to move your head and like, I don't know, that just seems like a lot to try and like connect <laughs> right with your body. Like it just uh, it just seems so terrifying. But I I would I'd be willing to try it. I probably shit myself while playing it. But, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but there's some amazing there are so many more amazing atmospheric horror games out there. And we're not trying to bash like the action horror games because there are some really fun ones there. They are entertaining in their own sense. But it, I feel like if you're looking for just a real horror experience, if you just want to go in and get the shit scared out of you, basically, if you want that high anxiety, the ones that really test you psychologically atmospheric horror movie or horror games are just the way to go they just do something different they really play around with the psychology of the game itself and how much they can push the boundaries and i feel like in games they have the ability to push the boundaries so much further than you would see in maybe like a classic movie that would make it to box office or whatnot you're gonna have mm -hmm. the b movies that will push the boundaries and they might become cult classics later all that stuff but games like they can really be on the forefront they could be pushed out to the mass audience and really you know just test who you are as a person and just test your brain which is just fantastic absolutely love it um but i think with that i think that's gonna do it for us this week you got anything else no i i think i spoke enough awesome all right so Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for joining us in this little episode on atmospheric horror games. Are there any atmospheric horror games that really stand out to you? What are some of the horror games that you remember from your past that just terrify the hell out of you? Share it with us. And the best way to reach out to us is on Instagram. Um, you can find us at the Glitch Cube Pod. Um, we're on there. That's the most probably the most active place that we are socially. Uh, we are working on different avenues and different ventures into social media land. It's one that we probably both don't really enjoy very much, but you know, social media is very important and we do really want to build up that community as much as possible. So please reach out to us. Let us know what horror games stand out to you and what horror movies also stand out to you because 
those are it's entertainment baby right it's all art yeah it's all content yeah all right so thank you guys so so much for listening um and that's gonna do it for us this week and we'll catch you guys next week all right and bye bye